0: It's been a tough 48 hours or so since finding out that Mike Leach suffered a massive heart attack on Sunday morning. And what was a inevitability, it's pretty evident on Monday. There was still a in my mind a, a lot of hope for a miracle, maybe it wasn't as bad as I'd heard or there's always a chance would never count out. Mike, if you've known him for as long as I did, um, it's hard to believe. Um, I talked to him on Friday. Um, so the shock is pretty, pretty fresh and kind of numbing. To think that um, as we all inevitably have done this, you speak with someone and you think, you know, everything is okay. You don't think that that's within 48 hours, that person is going to be dead. It's a, it's a stark and, and drastic reminder for us all that we need to treasure each day. As the shock will wear off, the memories of, Certainly one of the most unique people I've ever known. And for someone that has worked in football all of my life, you tend to meet a lot of cookie cutter guys. And we're all kind of the same. Mike was different than any of us, than any of us that I, that I ever, I ever knew from the little practice field at Iowa Wesleyan working for Hal Mummy where there was, trust me, uh, a stadium that was not like a high school stadium. It was not as big as most high school stadiums. There were not talking off the beaten path. That was Iowa Wesleyan. And it was there that he learned an offense that he became known for and probably most identified for even more than how. Now, for those who don't know, how Mummy is, how still with us, and, and in his own way, a strange individual. But but compared to Mike, he is about as normal as can be. Mike was a guy that grew up in in a little town in Wyoming and went to school at Brigham Young, and never played football. Played rugby. And met what became his future would be become his future wife, Sharon, there. And he he grew up around and watching the BYU football program where they were throwing the football over there when the rest of the college football world was running the football and doing things in a more traditional sense. He saw that. And I think it sparked his football ingenuity. And as he got into coaching and he, started his career with uh, he actually coached in in finland but in, in a small in finland um was a coach would coach anywhere do anything and wasn't too proud and clearly worked his way from an unbeaten path and as he moves on through his career and getting to know him uh, they were at Valdosta State hal and and mike and mike then they went on over to get the job uh hal and bringing mike with them over to kentucky and then he went to oklahoma because bob stoops had taken the job had left kansas state as the defensive coordinator to go to florida to become steve spurrier's defensive coordinator at florida and when mike uh, excuse me bob stoops was at florida he had to defend this kentucky offense its air raid offense um and found it very difficult to do so so he wanted to bring when he when bob stoops got the job at oklahoma he wanted to tap into that and bring somebody over and he called how Mummy and talked to him about mike leach and Wanted to make him the coordinator and kind of hand the reins to him. And then it was off and running for Mike. He had a very short tenure at Oklahoma before it led to him getting the head job at Texas Tech, where people probably first remember him and then eventually going on after sitting out a few years to coach at Washington State and now at Mississippi State. But to say he was an interesting guy. Is a gross understatement. He was someone of tremendous interest in just about anything. I can remember um Bill Doba he, when he hired him at Washington State. Um he went down and he met Mike. Mike has a house in the Keys, Florida Keys, and he <laughs> He had this, the, he told Mike, he says, well, let's get together and we'll have a, um, it, w- it was on a Friday or something. And he said, let's have a little casual meeting. And know, yeah, another, you know, meaning no tie and suit and all that, which you typically show up with. Well, so Bill Doe was there with, with slacks and a dress shirt without a tie. And I can't remember, Bill said he had a sport coat on or not, but you know, he, he, and then knock on the door and there was mike leach in flip-flops uh cargo shorts with stains all over it and a white v-neck t-shirt that and and holding a couple styrofoam cup of a cup of coffee with coffee stains down the shirt and it was (laughs) quintessential mike leach uh gonna go and interview after being three years out of coaching interview for the job at washington state it, it, that's the first impression that he has of Mike Leach meeting with him. And, and as they're sitting there trying to discuss what direction and the vision for the program, the conversation, as it always seemed to go to, about topics that <laughs> Ernest Hemingway, you know, Winston Churchill, uh, whatever. Um, just incredible conversations that um, it always looked at Mike as a curious individual. It was curious to try to figure out what he was up to, but always curious as to his knowledge and thirst for knowledge on things. He was known once he was at Washington State, there was one time uh, he was late for a staff meeting. And staff meetings were typically late there um, in the morning. But he was, in this day, uh, particularly late, later than normal. And as the coachings, coaches are kind of waiting for him or kind of dispersed and got back together when Mike finally showed up, Uh, To the dismay of the coaching staff and to the delight of Mike, he was delayed a good 45 minutes, maybe to an hour, because, as Mike would do, he would walk to the office every day at Washington State, very small campus, and he lived close enough to walk. (laughs) And on this particular day, he ran into... A, on a back way that he walked, a family of raccoons, in which Mike decided to follow them into the woods—not too close, of course—but follow them in the woods just to see what their interaction was, how they did things, how they may be interacted with one another. That was Mike Leach. His attention span jumped. I would say that you'd probably look at him and say, he's got ADD. Maybe he does, I don't know. He's got such an eclectic interest in life. Well, he loved coaching, and he loved football, he loved teaching. But he wasn't, like most of us, married to football, and just obsessed with it, and focused only on it he had a brilliant mind he was the quintessential football beautiful mind stubborn as all get out on what he believed in as a coach and would not vary from that but yet would just be interested in so many things he was every man's man he was someone that he would come up to and sit down with you and your bunch of friends and talk about whatever ask questions and genuinely was interested in where you were from what you did for a living where you went to school what were your interests and wouldn't just sit there and ask that and then just move on would deep dive into learning about what it is that you know and for goodness sakes if it was something that he wasn't familiar with he was on a path to learn as much about it in 2015 i had open heart surgery i had a aortic valve replacement in my heart and i had a number of folks called to check on me and and see how it's doing. When it was typical, most people say, "How you feeling? How you getting around? You know, been keeping our prayers, that sort of thing. You know, take it easy. Don't overdo it. Don't try to come back too quick. You know, the typical way that people um, talk to you about things. With Mike, it was. What type of valve did they put in? Was it a pig valve? No, it wasn't a pig valve, Mike. They decided to go with a mechanical valve. Oh, what type of... Well, they call it an onyx valve, and, you know, it's supposed to last longer, and this is what they tell me why they... Oh, and it's questions and questions that I I can't answer. But he was... Well, he checked in about two days later on me, and proceeded to spend at least 20 to 30 minutes telling me all about the onyx valve that was in my heart. Did you know it was formed here and it was done this way and the guy that did it was this and and there are only so many out there? that. And it was like, I, I said after I was done, Mike, I now know more about this valve that's in my heart than my cardiologist and my surgeon cared to tell me And that was Mike. He had to know, he wanted to know, he was the curious George person, if you ever knew him. I mean, he just was interested. You drove a truck. You worked uh, as a security guard in a hospital, whatever. How'd you get into it? Why did you get into it? You know, I mean, just wanted to know things that quite frankly, I'm envious that, I didn't take the interest in a lot of things in life that he has. It's, I'm just wired different. A lot of us are, but that's what made him unique. That's what made him special. Sitting down and talking with him and him over a beer, and he puts, ask for ice cubes in his beer. I'm not a... Alcohol drink. I don't particularly care for it. But I do know that most people don't put ice in their beer. That's uh, what he did. Uh, love coffee, specialized in different types of coffees. And did you know they raise the beans here and that? That's what makes them better than this or that. He just had a unique way about them. As a football coach, I've often in a, in a, in a you know, professional way, we went head-to-head on some of the things that he believed in football-wise, meaning he would, he knew what he knew about his version of the air raid and how he was going to attack it. And he never modified it or adjusted. And anybody that's listened to me talk football knows that football is the constant game of evolution and adjustments. And so we'd always go round and round on different things. And he, at times he'd say, I love that. That's great. That is awesome. I'm not running that. <laughs> he had his way of doing it. And it worked for him. It, it may have worked to a point and it may have been, how I always felt like with Mike that he was always better at an off the beaten path type of place where I think he was appreciated at Texas tech and at Washington state and at Mississippi state in a way that he would not have been appreciated at a program where the expectation is go to the national playoffs and win a title, you know, every two or three years. <clears throat> I don't think that would be him because his nature in his style would have turned off people, meaning he's not interested enough in football. You see, they don't win enough. I I think Mike believed football was a chess game. I think he thought players were just pawns in his chess game. He had a very fertile mind that was always figuring out. He had, for someone that was as complex as he was as a human being, his version of football was as simplistic as any I have ever seen or heard in 40 years. It's just, you throw the football where they ain't. You just, you go where they're not going to be. And it's a lot of strategic warfare brought to football. He had a unique approach. He had his approach. I probably didn't appreciate him as much as you should i cherish the time we spent my god the times in his office at every stop where you're just trying to get a better feel for a player and inevitably knowing that this has become a complete waste of time in the way that i was trying to unearth the information about why certain things were done with a certain player in, in order to help me in my evaluation process. Because it inevitably would turn to conversations of which A, I had very little interest, B, it just became almost comical. I regret that I didn't take as much joy in that time in doing it because it was funny Very often, it was a part of him that was genuine. There was no phony about him. He would say what he thought, and he really didn't care about what was politically correct. I think at times, he said things that probably weren't the best. He wasn't concerned about whether somebody would get offended in recruiting or anything else. He was going to speak his mind. The other thing about him is he was a very genuine person and that he cared about people. I think that a lot of what he did in his shtick was to avoid having to talk football, A, maybe because he was bored talking football, B, he didn't have a whole lot to say because he did it his way and didn't really care to tell you about it and didn't think it was all that interesting. And he really didn't care if anybody liked it or didn't like it, that was his way. So he preferred to use any time that he had to talk about things that he wanted to talk about and to bring you into the conversation that would steer it that way. That was Mike. But he cared about people. He would help people, people that, most people wouldn't take time and give them the time of day. A lot of coaches don't have time for people. They wouldn't spend the time with a young student reporter that couldn't help them, that maybe you know would spend that time with someone at an ESPN where it could get that person publicity, that was not Mike Leach. He was as genuine as could be. He would be more interested or just as interested in talking and helping someone that was a student reporter and trying to help them and help them in their career, give them encouragement, uh, giving them his personal cell phone, um, communicating with them and following up with them in the way that others, again, wouldn't take the time to do it. Where you see coaches walk around with four or five policemen around them, those was not Mike Leach. He wanted to be amongst the people. He wanted to walk and be friends with everyone. Never met a stranger, was never too busy to have time. Again, he was a different guy. He didn't work to that schedule that most of us do. One more film, one more preparation. Got to be there. Can't be five minutes late. The whole stop and smell the roses saying was made for Mike Leach and him for it. It was 61 years, far too short but no one smelled the roses like Mike. No one stopped and thought and asked and learned and was as curious as Mike was about you, about people in general, about how things were done, why they were done, thoughts back in history, maybe to the annoyance of people that are are again trying to make their routine schedule, maybe trying to get information, he wanted to talk about something else, and he would inevitably do so. A special person, my thoughts and prayers with Sharon, the four children, my understanding of, you know, all came together from different parts of the country, to be with them in his final journey. I mentioned early today on Twitter, can you imagine the conversation Mike had at the pearly gates of heaven? St. Peter greeted him. God knows what Mike asked St. Peter. I don't know that St. Peter had much of a chance in Edgewise to ask Mike the pertinent questions. And probably after a long and undoubtedly confusing conversation from St. Peter's standpoint, probably said, come on in. Someone this unique belongs with us. Soar high, Mike. Continue to explore. Now you can go meet some of those great people of world history that you studied for so long. And you can go ask them face-to-face about how they did it, why they did it. There's no question that heaven has got the most curious new angel flying around.